This morning we're continuing our series called The Teacher Who Changed the World. And who are we referring to in the series? You should know the answer. If you don't know the answer, it's probably... This, can you say that like you mean it? Okay, it's Jesus. And we've talked about the fact that the goal of Jesus' teaching is the transformation of the human heart. And when God changes a heart, he changes a life. He changes a marriage, changes a family, changes a church congregation, changes a city, changes a nation, and eventually changes the world. Now this morning we're going to focus on what Jesus taught about the value of children. And I'd like to begin with this observation. We often forget, or sometimes we're not even aware of, the incredible influence of Christianity on our culture. There are certain ideas, uh, certain values in America that didn't even exist until the advent of Christianity nearly 2,000 years ago. For example, the value of children. Now, in our culture, the predominant view is that kids are important. They're people. They're valuable. And we see that when parents take a gazillion photos of their children. How many of you parents have a lot of photos on your phone? Or maybe some videos. And of course, if you show that photo or that video to somebody, what do you expect them to say? Oh, how cute, how precious, how adorable. We even think that the things our kids say are really cute and precious and adorable and sometimes extremely funny. Um, I was reading something this week about a group of kids who were asked what they thought about love and marriage, and these were some of their responses. This is from a little boy, Kenny, age seven. It gives me a headache to think about that stuff. I'm just a kid. I don't need that kind of trouble. And this from Tommy, age five. Once I'm done with kindergarten, I'm going to find me a wife. <laughs> Girls, look out for Tommy. And here's, here's Carolyn, age eight. My mother says to look for a man who is kind. Well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find somebody who's kind of tall and kind of handsome and... And then Ava, age eight, one of you should know how to write a check because even if you have tons of love, there's still going to be a lot of bills. And this is the last one from Dave, age eight. Love will find you, even if you're trying to hide from it. I've been trying to hide from it since I was five, but the girls just keep finding me. <laughs> In our American culture, we see kids as cute and adorable and precious, but that view of children was unheard of in the ancient world during the time of Jesus. In his book, When Children Became People, historian O.M. Bakke points out that in ancient Greece and Rome, children were considered non-persons. And there was this way that society was structured. It was sort of like concentric circles. At the middle were these free-born adult males. And then the people on the periphery, the outsiders, were slaves and women and children. And one of the reasons that that children were not highly valued was connected to the infant mortality rate. A lot of children died or didn't live that long. And so there was this cultural pressure for parents not to be too closely knit to the hearts of their kids. And then there was this really deplorable practice that Christians pushed back against so, so vehemently. People would take their children and just abandon them. And so Christians would go out at night and find these babies that were on their own and take them home and raise them as their own. And then there was probably the saddest thing that happened in the ancient world, the sexual exploitation of children, because many of those abandoned babies were not claimed by Christians. Other people picked them up and took them home and raised them to a certain age and then sold them to the highest bidder. And into this kind of world comes Jesus with his countercultural teaching that every child matters to God and therefore should matter to us. And so what I'd like to do quickly this morning is look 
at just a couple of stories that involve Jesus and children. The first is from Matthew chapter 19, and we read this beginning with verse 13. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples, notice this, scolded the parents for bothering him. Now, we need to point out that the disciples like us were shaped by the culture of their day. And in the Jewish culture, rabbis did not typically teach women or children. So they thought they were just doing their job. And I can't, you know, tell you exactly what they said to these parents, but probably something like this. Oh, wait, wait. Jesus is a really busy man. He has important people to see and important things to do. He doesn't have time to be bothered with your children. Because remember, it says they scolded the parents. Now, how did Jesus respond? Well, some of us know the story, and this is what we read. Then Jesus said, and I don't think that Jesus said this in just this, you know, mild, um, quiet, meek voice. Then Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And what did Jesus do? He placed his hands on them and blessed them before he left. And church, here's the point that I want us to see and really take to heart. God cares deeply about children, and so should we. In the past 2,000 years, people have taken the teaching of Jesus and actually put it into practice. And countless hospitals and orphanages and schools have been started in Jesus' name. And church, for us, what that means is simply this. We need to care about kids. The kids in our own homes the kids in our church family, the kids that live across the street, that live across the tracks, the kids that live across the ocean, those who are far from us, are near to the heart of God. And here's another story about Jesus and children. This is from Matthew also, Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse 1. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. And church, this is really Jesus explaining the gospel in a very profound way because we talk about the bad news and the good news here a lot. And we say that the bad news is that we're sinners and that we are separated from God, that we deserve his just punishment and there's no hope for us unless God intervenes. Notice what Jesus says, unless you turn from your sins, he's talking about repentance turning away from our sin and turning to God by putting your faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. And the gospel is clear. Jesus, out of his great love, wanted to connect us with God. He wanted to make it possible for our relationship to be reconciled. So what does Jesus do? He leaves his home in heaven. He comes to this earth. He lives a perfect life. And then he goes to a cross because he wants us to be a part of God's family. He wants you and me to be God's kids, God's children. And that's what happens on the cross. On the cross, God is willing to put our sin on Jesus and punish him in our place. And this wrath of God that has against sin is poured out on Jesus and he dies. But just a few weeks ago, what did we celebrate? Easter. In fact, every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection. Jesus came back to life and he offers us a new life, but we experience this new life by faith. And I think that's exactly what Jesus was getting, like, getting at. If you, if you become like a little child, if you have the faith of a child, if you trust like a child, that is what it takes to enter the kingdom of heaven when you turn from your sin and decide to follow me. And notice what Jesus says. He says, so, anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who, notice this, 
welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. Look at this statement on your outline. Whatever we do for children, Jesus takes personally. Whatever we do for kids, Jesus takes personally. This morning, I'd like to introduce a couple, in fact, an entire family, the Hernandez family, because when I think of this statement, what we do for children, Jesus takes personally, they come to mind because they have been investing their lives in rescuing children and giving them a hope and a future. And John and Maritza began this, this mission a long time ago, back in the 90s. They worked with kids in the inner city in Miami. And then they took a trip to Bolivia, and God gave them a vision to reach out to the kids there that were just abandoned and neglected. And so they started a life center in Bolivia. That was back in uh, 2003, so that's been there for 14 years. And then God also gave them the opportunity to establish a, a safe house in Colombia where the widows and orphans of martyred pastors could find refuge and they've added another safe house there um, just a couple of years ago in Colombia. And they've also been given some property in Chile that they're developing. But one of my fondest memories, um, as I think about John and Maritza, is in 2012, they had the opportunity to purchase some property in Honduras and to establish a life center there. And we've had a number of people in our church that have gone there to work on that construction project, to reach out to the kids, to reach out to the villages. And just to see God at work, and that's been such an exciting experience for us as a church. And we are just so thankful for the whole Hernandez family because um, John and Maritza's kids, John and Natalie and Nikki, work right alongside them. And uh, that's just an exciting thing to see. And so we're really thankful for our partnership with CIN, with Children's Impact Network. And on a, a personal note, Chris and I are just delighted that since day one, God has been knitting our hearts together, and John and Maritza are our queridos amigos, our dear friends, and they're helping me learn to speak better Spanish, so I appreciate that. But John, if I could ask you to come up, let's give John Hernandez a warm welcome this morning. Sorry about that, I left the microphone. If I can borrow one of these. It's so good to be here, and we're just so excited to be able to say thank you personally. Um, later on, you're gonna see a video, and in that video, you'll see one of the properties in Honduras, and it's got this beautiful, the, I think the, the roof is red, or, uh, the beautiful red roof. And when you see that, I want you to think of Boynton Beach Community Church because you helped put a roof over the heads of these children that we've been able to rescue. Amen? Um, we're excited to be here, and, uh, and we remember the day that we met uh, Pastor Dudley and Chris, and we're just so grateful for them. I hope you understand that you have amazing pastors. These people are full of love. They, if, if you're visiting... You don't have to look anymore. I want you to know this is a great place to be, and, uh, and they are uh, some of our favorite people in the whole world. Uh, we've gotten an opportunity to travel together, to minister to other people together. They have never gone anywhere where they're not bragging about you or helping others. Um, that's what they do, and, uh, and a blessing to everybody that they come in contact with. Uh, my wife is here, Maritza, honey stand, and it's her birthday, so happy birthday, baby. And also uh, our son John and his fiancée, uh, Elizabeth, and 
Sammy Joe, are you back there? No? Oh, they're in the, with the youth. Okay, gotcha. So the rest are with the youth, our two daughters and one of our staff members, Sammy Joe, who, uh, who just recently came on board. And I mentioned that to you because some of you will meet them at the back. We have, uh, there'll be a booth. Uh, you'll see a, a section that has cards with children. Uh, those are children that uh, need sponsorship. And then on the other side, you'll see uh, a table set up for you to go ahead and process that sponsorship. So we've made it really easy, and I'll talk a little bit more about it later, but uh, as, as easy as one, two, three. You can just grab one of the cards uh, with the children on it, and you, you can walk over, and you can, uh, they'll help you process it, and then you can introduce that child to your family and change his life forever. Uh, but we also want to say that uh, we're uh, so grateful because uh, Boynton Beach Com Community Church has partnered with the many ministries. So, uh, you know, sometimes you wonder and you say, well, where, is, where are the finances going? Well, they're going to help children like the ones you see up here, even when you don't realize it. Uh, you could be sleeping and, and be uh, uh, on a comfortable bed and know that there are people in different parts of the world that are taking care of children on your behalf uh, because you are part of this great church. And uh, so we want to thank you so much for all that you guys do. And, uh, and it's always, it's a, it's a privilege to be here, mi amigos. And uh, we thank you very much. And he is learning Spanish. And they've come a long way. Uh, he, he went from, uh, he, he first learned the Taco Bell menu, I believe. And to where now he actually does entire greeting and scriptures in Spanish. So they're doing really good. We're proud of them. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 2 in verse 1. And it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men carried, that were carrying, uh, excuse me, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him into Jesus because, the crowd, because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. They lowered the man in the mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now, we've been in situations, I remember one time uh, in Cuba, the church was so full that the windows on the sides uh, really became, uh, I guess you could call them annexes, because the people would put their heads through the window to hear what was being said. Everything was full, aisles were full, chairs were full, there was nowhere else. And then there were some in the back outside the door that uh, they could, some could hear if they were too far away, people would shout out what was being said so that they could hear as well. So I kind of imagine that type of situation, except Jesus was in town. And so this house is completely full. And here come four men with a friend. And they come to this house because they heard Jesus was there. And so they bring Jesus, or the, their friend to Jesus, and when they realize they can't get in, they get creative. They realize, really, there's, they didn't want any excuses. They wanted their friend to be made well. And so they got up on the roof, and I hope they had their credit cards with them or a check, because they 
uh, opened a hole in this man's, uh, whoever's house it was, uh, his home, and lowered them, the, the, the paralytic man, down to where Jesus was. Now, Jesus, seeing their faith. I mean, it's incredible that their passion to help someone was so great that they even made a hole in a roof after walking from who knows where with their friend, four guys holding each corner of a mat so that they could bring their friend to Jesus. Now, seeing their faith. I, I remember when we were young in ministry, we were in the inner cities, and we were trying to teach uh, uh, these kids about faith. And I remember one time we went to a, uh, a youth retreat, and it was, a, it was a, I think it was a Friday night, and it was raining. And the next day, they wanted to go out and do things and go to the beach. And, and so we prayed. We said, look, guys, if you want that to happen, you have to have faith and pray that it won't rain tomorrow. So, you know, we prayed, and they did their best, and, 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 and uh, different types of prayers. It was interesting. And, and then about a couple hours later, I noticed that there was a little s- a scuffle going on. And I, I ran over to see what it was, and, and they were upset with one of the kids. And I said, what's going on? And they said, well, we, you know, we prayed to have faith. But he doesn't have any faith. <laughs> they said, he's doubting. He thinks it's going to rain tomorrow. And so their, their way of having faith was to convince him and I guess beat the doubt out of him. So, <laughs> but there's a faith that when we trust in God, nothing holds us back. And so here were these men. They came together to change one person's life. You know, if it's just... John and Maritza holding one corner of the mat. It's not, we're not going to get the guy there. But I look at it and I see us. I see Boyd Beach Community Church. I see another family and another family and see how many lives can be impacted. You see, the secret is to be able to minister to people and make a miracle take place and everything can change in just one day. I'll never forget the story of Mephibosheth. I'm sure none of you named your children Mephibosheth. But in the Bible, he is the grandson of Saul. And so war broke out, David against Saul. And Saul's armies were wiped out. And in one day, Mephibosheth lost his grandfather and his father in battle. And so the servant took hold of Mephibosheth, which was around five years old, and began to run for safety. As she's running, she trips, falls, and Mephibosheth... Uh, injures his, his, himself, and he becomes crippled. She takes him to a small town outside the city where hopefully no one would find them or even know that they're alive, a little place called Lodabar. And so there in Lodabar, they hid in obscurity. David wiped out Saul's armies. But then one day he sat, and I think he just put the recliner back on his throne, and he said, hey, Is there anyone in the house of Saul that's still alive? Is there anyone that I can bless? So right away they found out and they heard of a little boy who was now about 11 or 12 that was tucked away in a small town. A child that once was the grandson of the king now didn't even matter. And so they sent men for him. And so here they bring Mephibosheth in front of the king to give him an audience with the king. I can't imagine what this young man was thinking. He might have been thinking, 
That's it. I'm the last one, and I'm going to be wiped out too. But that day, everything changed for that little boy. Because that day, David remembered the love that he had for Mephibosheth's father, Jonathan, and for his, his grandfather. And he remembered the promises that he made to him. And he looked at Mephibosheth and he said, today you will eat in my house. Today, from this day on, you will sit at my table. And today, from this point on, all the lands that were taken away, we're giving them back to you. And you don't even have to work those lands. We will have people work them for you. A couple nights ago, we, we had a team in Honduras, and we have a banquet the last night. And that last night, the kids sing and give testimonies, and, and uh, it's, a, it's a nice little, like, banquet hall, and tables are nice, the silverware, and we just want to make the teams and everyone feel special. The kids dress up. And I remember sitting across from one of those children, and I remember the verse and the proclamation that David gave to this little boy that he said, from this day on, you will eat in my house. And I remember the story and the life behind that child and realizing that the day they walked through the doors of that home and they became one of our children, their life changed forever. In one day, everything changed. Now they had a hope. Now they had a future, and God made it happen in just an instant. Today, there's a challenge before us. Uh, Pastor Dudley, Chris, this is something that, that they, they, they've wanted to do, and we talked to them about it, and, and they said, well, maybe Boynton Beach Community Church can help. See, we have a problem, and the problem is that their children that need to be rescued. We rescue abandoned, abused, and neglected children. In some countries, they call them los desechables, the disposables. And I want to tell you something that we need to make room for more. And one of the things that our children do that have been rescued is they pray for those that will be coming in the future. And so we're going to ask you this morning, to pray and ask God if maybe God is speaking to you. You have the power of a King David to be able to say, from this day on, you're going to eat at my table. Because when we sponsor a child, it's like we're saying to them, you're now part of my family. And we want to challenge you to pray about it. Pray about asking God to, do, you know, to, 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 uh, to, to direct you on what to do. This morning, we had a, a great response. There's still so many more kids that need to be sponsored. You're going to see a video in a second here. And it's a video depicting something that happened to one of our girls. Well, in reality, it's happened to a couple of our girls and a lot of our boys. Situations that have happened in their lives that if it were not for people like you and I that reached out to help them, their life would still be the same, living in... In, in extreme poverty, but even worse, living in extreme pain. And so in the back, you'll see the, the table. You can look at the pictures, uh, grab one of the kids that, uh, that you feel God's tugging to, to you. We have a lot of the boys back there. 
and then bring it over to the, uh, to the computers. They'll sign you up right there, and then you can take that home and introduce it to your family, uh, the life that you've changed. It's $75 a month. Some people ask, what's the difference between, you know, the $30 a month or the $75? And, and that's because you're raising, you're helping raise these children. These children do not live in families. These children have no one. We have children in our orphanage that have lived there their entire lives, and not one person has ever come to ask for them. Not one person has ever inquired of them. And this all started years ago when we walked into a plaza after teaching a conference to pastors, leaders, and missionaries. And as they, the conference was over, they said, we want to show you what's going on in our country. And we'll never forget as we stood in that plaza, it was a cold night, and how this little child, two or three years old, grabbed onto my pants and he tugged on them. And I could tell that he was starving to death. And as we looked around to see who he was with, we realized he was with no one. And that no one cared for that child. David, in his darkest time in his life, one of them, he had a couple, he was in a, a, a cave and he was fleeing from Saul. And he wrote in, this, in the book of Psalms, he said, I looked to my right and I saw no one that cared for me. No one that took notice of me. And I can tell you there are kids all over the world that are in that same situation. That they, they, they see themselves and they say, does anyone matter? But that's where we come in as Christians. And we want them to know that the most important thing, more important than them getting into a new house, is that Jesus matters. And when those four men got together and each grabbed a corner of that mat and brought their friend to Jesus, his life changed. They knew exactly where to bring him, and they knew exactly what he needed. And today, we're asking you to pray and consider sponsoring one of these children. You're going to see a video now. You'll see it's a true life story of, of something that happened of one of our kids, but it represents many of the children than what they have gone through. May the Lord bless you. Había una casa pobre y muy pequeña, en una pequeña comunidad en Honduras. Si pasabas por allí, pensarías que solo es un humilde hogar. Pero lo que yo veía era algo muy diferente. Yo fui víctima del tráfico de humanos. Tenía ocho años. Mi nombre es Lisette y esta es mi historia. Mi madre y yo luchábamos para sobrevivir. Apenas teníamos comida y agua para beber. Éramos débiles y estábamos enfermas. Mi mamá estaba muy enferma. Sus pensamientos, decisiones y ansiedad gobernaban su vida. Pero aún en todos nuestros problemas, yo confiaba en mi mamá con todo mi corazón. Un día mi mamá conoció a un hombre. Él era muy amable con ella y ella se enamoró de él. Yo confié en ellos con todo mi corazón. Un día, el novio de mi mamá le dijo que había una manera más fácil de hacer dinero y que harían las cosas más fáciles para nosotros. Él le dijo que ella podía vender su cuerpo a sus amigos. Ella dijo, sí. Ella se vendió a muchos hombres y yo me recuerdo llorando antes de dormir, preguntándome por qué esto estaba pasando. Yo seguía confiando en mi mamá, a pesar de que ella se había hecho esto a sí misma. 
Ella estaba tratando de proveer. Pero un día, su novio tomó mi brazo y me dijo que tenía que trabajar para él. Él me obligó a mí y a mi mamá a tener sexo con extraños. Mi vida cambió para siempre. Muchos hombres tuvieron sexo conmigo. No podía ni entender qué era lo que de verdad estaba pasando. ¿Por qué mi madre me haría esto? No tenía esperanza ni amor. Yo pensaba que era indigna, que nunca sería amada. No sabía cuánto tiempo estaría viva. Entonces, en un hermoso día, todo cambió. Fui rescatada por Jesús. Él envió un misionero de Children Impact Network. Él me dijo que había estado buscando y que Dios tenía un gran plan para mí. Ese fue el mejor día de mi vida. Me trajeron al centro de vida Honduras. Muchas personas me recibieron en mi nuevo hogar con muchos abrazos y besos. Encontré una familia que me amaba y en la que podía confiar. Ellos me enseñaron el amor de Jesús. Él me hizo nueva y yo me sentía renovada. Dios cambió mi vida. Tal vez tuve una vida horrible, pero Jesús cambió todo. Ahora tengo esperanza, tengo un futuro. Dios está escribiendo el resto de mi historia y me siento orgullosa de llamarlo mi Padre. Por favor, ora por los niños que aún no han sido rescatados. Hay muchos otros como yo que necesitan ser encontrados. Tú puedes hacer una diferencia hoy. Church, there's a very important question that I'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider. Why should you choose to be a sponsor with Children's Impact Network? And let me give you two, I think, uh, very compelling reasons. The first is this. It has to do with their mission. Rescuing abused, abandoned, and neglected children to give them hope and a future. But also this, their method, the way they carry out their mission, meeting the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of children in order to equip them to carry out Christ's mission in the world. I was sharing at first service that my wife Chris and I over the years have sponsored a number of children with different Christian organizations. And through our, our friendship with John and Maritza and seeing firsthand the work that we're doing, we've made a decision to become a sponsor with CIN. And we're doing that today. And we also wanted to let you know that our, our youth group is going to be a sponsor for one of the children as well. And I want to consider what we as a church can do. Because as John was saying, God is the one who calls us to step out in faith and to help others around us. And he mentioned the cost of $75 a month and how you can just go to the lobby and select one of the children and then just arrange that today. But one of the things that Chris and I have been talking about is the idea that we have people in our immediate family who, if they heard about the ministry of CIN, would probably consider being a sponsor. And so I want to ask you to consider that as well, sharing the story, sharing the ministry of CIN with others so that together we can make a huge difference with children in this world. I'd like to close with a verse of scripture that I think is, is so important. This is James 1.27. And it says, as pure and genuine Genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. I remember one time hearing John talk about this verse and he pointed out that it's caring for widows and orphans in their distress and these kids are facing very difficult 
distressing and painful situations. And I think about this too. The person who wrote this verse is James, the half-brother of Jesus. Now, who do you think taught him to care so much about kids and widows? Yeah, his big brother, Jesus. And church, my prayer is simply this, that we will allow Jesus to teach us how valuable and important kids are so that we'll step out in faith and change their lives, remembering what Jesus himself said. Anyone who welcomes a little child in my name welcomes me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the story of Lizette. We thank you, God, that in a day, in a moment, her life was forever changed. God, we know that you are the one who does the rescuing, but you do it through people like us. God, we thank you for the ministry of CIN. Father, we pray together as a church that you would pour out your blessing on John and Maritza and their family and their staff with the partner churches. Lord, we pray that they would make an incredible difference wherever you've called them to serve, whether it's in Honduras or Bolivia or Chile or Cuba or any place else in the world. But God, please do this. Please give us your heart. Father, for, for some of us here, we think, well, I don't know if I could afford that, but Lord, there are ways that we could change the way that we live, change our lifestyle, make some sacrifices in order to change the destiny of a child forever. So God, I pray that you would do that, that you would change our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.